from Matthew's Gospel. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him. And suddenly, angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated and let us bow in prayer. O oh Lord, use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that as they are joined together today, the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Every now and then my desk at home gets a pile of stuff on it about yay high. And I have to go through it so that my hospital bills and doctor's bills don't get sent to collections. You have to do that every now and then. And yesterday was one of those days. And while I was looking in my pile of junk, I came across a bag filled with all of the candy and sweets that I had received for Christmas. It was an extraordinary find. I wasn't just tempted. I imbibed, especially, okay, there are these caramels that are covered with chocolate, and they have sea salt sprinkled all, sprinkled all over them. It's just amazing. I could have made myself sick, but Melinda, knowing that I would have made myself sick, grabbed the box away from me so that I would not be tempted anymore. We talk about temptation as though these are the kinds of things that we are tempted with. And sure enough, they may be, but in fact, there is this quality to temptation that is existential. It is real. There are those pitfalls we can wander into that are very, very difficult to emerge from. There are ways that we can go wrong that take us a very long time and a lot of God's grace 
to get out of. Today, as we look at the wilderness, we recognize that the wilderness is a strangely beautiful place. It's also a dangerous place. It's a place both where God purifies His people and it's a place where wild beasts and animals come in to destroy. It is a place of intense heat, but also in the evening, intense cold. It's a place where in the Bible, God mysteriously works in these wilderness places. Forty years, forty years. The children of Israel wandered through the Sinai Peninsula. Not a straight line from Israel to Egypt. They wandered, they wandered, they wandered as God purified them while giving them in the wilderness manna from heaven. John the Baptist. Out in the wilderness, an uninhabited area, the Jordan River flowing through, and he says, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, when he feeds the crowds, it's in this non-inhabited wilderness place where God provides. And in our text today, Jesus goes into the wilderness to pray for 40 days. And so it's fitting that the gospel reading on this, the first Sunday of Lent, the first Sunday in Lent. Lent is 40 days, not counting Sundays. So if I had given up those caramel things that have chocolate around them and sea salt, <laughs> I can go home today and gorge myself. So we don't talk about the, the Sundays of Lent, we talk about the Sundays in Lent. They punctuate. We have this rhythm that goes on between fasting and feasting. We have this rhythm that occurs between self-denial and joy. We have this rhythm that's a part of what we do during this 40-day period of self-denial and penitence patterned in a way around Jesus and His 40-day period of fasting in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus is taken just after baptism when the dove has descended on him. When John recognizes exactly who he is and Jesus is led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to do what you and I can't do. Jesus fulfills perfectly what we in our imperfections cannot. And that is, He overcomes every temptation that comes His way. He overcomes every temptation that comes His way. In the wilderness, there are three lessons. And the first has to do with our listening. Who is it that we are listening to? Whose voice do we build our lives around? 
who is it that we are allowing to speak in ways that change us and make us into a different person? He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is a physical hunger, and I dare say that not many of us experience the pangs of physical hunger often. But there is this physical hunger that billions of our brothers and sisters around the world know. But there's this other kind of hunger too. There is this spiritual longing, a deep desire for an inward filling and refreshment that come from God. Like a deer panting for the streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you. O God, the living God, when shall I see you? In the Old Testament, Amos says this about the Word of God. The time is surely coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. One estimate says there are six billion Bibles in circulation around the world right now. Six billion Bibles. I have about a half a billion of those in my own house. <laughs> More Bibles than I could ever read in, in a year or ten years. And some of them are really strange translations, but I, I've stuck with uh, three or four that I really like over the years. But it, Bibles are like rabbits. They just keep multiplying in churches and in some of our houses, but if they have dust on them, and if they're never opened, if they look brand new, you're hungry. You're living in that famine. That famine that's not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. When Paul writes to Timothy, he reminds us that the Scriptures, the Scriptures as Timothy knew them, was probably the, the Septuagint version of the Old Testament, the translation from Hebrew to Greek that most of the uh, early disciples used. But later on, we've canonized, we've, we've called as authoritative 66 books in our Bibles. And we find the gem from 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching. Do you need teaching? Hear the word of the Lord. For reproof. None of us like reproving. But if you need reproof, God's word can strike to your very heart for correction. A lot of us are headed in ways that we shouldn't be headed. Do you need correction? Get, get past the famine. 
training in righteousness? Do you need to know what it means to live and to live life abundantly? God's Word provides all of those so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. The first temptation is the temptation, who am I going to listen to? And Jesus says that there is bread that is not bread but that comes from every word from the mouth of God. There are a lot of different places that we can get the things that matter to us. Our political affiliations, our societal expectations. And you've all had well-meaning but clueless friends who try to give you some kind of advice and you're like, if I follow that, my life is going to be just falling into the pit. We've got the spirit of the age and then our own self-directed wants. We can listen to these or we can listen to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The second lesson from the wilderness has to do with our actions. What is it that we do The Bible frequently categorizes our actions as wise or foolish. Now take a look at what the tempter encourages Jesus to do and ask if that is wild and foolish, if it's something spectacular to show that he is the Son of God. The devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the tests. There are Two paths that are available to each of us. The path of wisdom and the path of folly. And every day we make decisions that take us farther along one of these paths and not the other. We may be wise. We may be foolish. Hear what Jesus says about wisdom and foolishness. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because the wise man had founded it on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We have set before us wisdom and foolishness. To to quote Moses in Deuteronomy, I have set before you this day life and death, blessings and, and curses, 
Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Which path do you take in your daily action? The path of, of wisdom, which does not test God, but asks God, how may I serve you today? How may I love you and my neighbor today? Which path will we take? Will we do things just because we can? Or will we lead spirit-led lives? It's not just our listening and our actions, but our worship. We seem almost hardwired for worship. To worship someone or something. People of faith have written the most astonishing music. They have painted these, these scenes of biblical narratives, these scenes of faith. They've sculpted in stone and clay in praise of the unseen God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. There's a place in our hearts that are created, reserved for the adoration of God alone. And without the action of worship and the intimacy it brings with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our lives will always remain incomplete. You shall fear the Lord your God, says Deuteronomy. Him alone you shall worship. To Him you shall hold fast. And by His name you shall swear. The Old Testament and the New Testament present us with this image of worship. One of the final scenes in the Bible is this awe-inspiring call to worship as on the throne... Hear what the angel shows to John. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. We are inspired to worship, and we will worship someone or something. The temptation of Jesus reminds us that we are to worship the Lord our God and the Lord alone. And so in our listening, in our acting,
in our worshiping. We hear God. We do God's will wisely. And we fall down before Him who was and is and is to come. The Creator and Redeemer of all that He has made. We worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when the 40 days had passed, the angels came and ministered to our Lord. And He accomplished. He accomplished what we have been unable to accomplish. That is, He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He exercised perfect obedience when our obedience is imperfect at best. He loved us enough to go into that place of temptation. The book of Hebrews says our high priest has been tempted in every way that we have. And so we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our afflictions. We have one who has been tempted in every respect like we have been and yet is without sin. Listen to God. Do God's will and worship Him and Him alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, be with us today and in the days ahead. And may we learn with Jesus who to hear, who to obey, and who to worship. For you alone, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you alone are worthy of our worship and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.